welcome to episode 68 of Insects for Fun, the weekly podcast on all things insects with other arthropods sprinkled in. Today, we're getting into the gritty facts on bedbugs and how you might be able to get rid of them. But first, an announcement. There is now a Discord channel available for people that want to get to know the community better, talk about, and share information on insects and other arthropods. The server is titled Insects for Fun and has the same logo. It was actually created by Joseph, the honorary expert on antlions. I'll put the link in the episode notes, and I hope you guys come and check it out. Okay, it's time for bedbugs. Let's start off with taking a look into what a bedbug is. They are indeed true bugs, which I mentioned in my Bugs vs. Insects episode, and as a result are in the order Hemiptera. But did you know that there are only a few species of bedbugs which are known to feed on humans? In total, there are around 110 species of bedbugs, and they all belong to the family Simicidae. But here's the thing, almost all bedbugs today prefer to feed on bats and birds, with only two that specifically target humans. These human-targeting bedbugs are in the genus Cymex, and are Cymex lectularius, which is the common bedbug, and then there's its tropical Bahama Mama-loving cousin, Cymex hemipterus. Both of these are incredibly small, reaching a maximum length of around 7 millimeters, but they are both notorious for being difficult to get rid of, once you have an infestation, that is. But we'll get into all that fun stuff later. First, I just want people to get familiar with their appearance, life cycle, and habits, along with their distributions. These tiny dudes can be found throughout the world, which means no one is safe from them unless they live in Antarctica. But even that's a possibility if you brought them along in your linens or clothing. The bugs go through a semi-complete life cycle, which is par for the course when talking about true bugs, and molt through five stages. A great description would be to compare them to apple seeds. Bedbugs actually change shape depending on whether or not they've fed recently, and a bedbug full of blood will have an elongated appearance and be a deeper brown with reddish hues. A bedbug which hasn't been fed will be more circular and flat. Pictures will of course be available on the socials. As for their life cycles, bedbugs need a blood meal in order to molt into their next instar, and the process can take between 5 and 8 days depending on factors like room temperature and when the last meal was. Bedbugs generally prefer temperatures around 70 Fahrenheit, or 21 Celsius, and can live up to a year or two, but it's more likely they'll cap out at one year. A lot of sources say different things in regards to how many eggs a bedbug can lay in its lifetime, but an average number seems to be around 300 eggs, with the tropical species laying less than this. The number of eggs a female lays is dependent on how often she can feed. For example, one blood meal allows a female to lay between 1 and 7 eggs per day, and there's a limit to how many she can lay with 20 being the upper, in a day that is. Now, contrary to belief, bedbugs are actually really slow at reproducing, and females are even further inhibited by the males. Yep, you heard that right. Males actually make life harder for the females. Oh, really? When a male reproduces with a female, he actually has to make a wound. He literally stabs her in the side, and then the sperm finds its way to the ovaries. This kind of reproduction is called traumatic insemination, because, uh, well, it's freaking traumatic is what it is. 
but one female can get this special treatment by multiple males. And every time this happens, she has to heal from the wound and as a result spends time away from the food and lays less eggs. It's been proven that a female bed bug which has only mated once can lay 25% more eggs than females who have been mated multiple times. But here's the deal. You have one female who gets into your home and you're like, all right, that's only one, no problem. But you can't find this female and she ends up laying, I don't know, 20 eggs in the first week. These eggs hatch in seven days and grow into adults in just over a month. Now these offspring are mating with each other and you have upwards of 100, which are going to turn around and further increase those numbers much more drastically. This is exactly how and why people have bed bug infestations. You don't really notice them until they become a problem. And they do it very silently because they only have to feed once every few days or so. Now, speaking of feeding, did you know that bed bugs actually have two piercing tubes which they use to feed? One is for sucking blood and the other is for adding an anticoagulant and anesthetic, making the process painless and easier for the bug to drink blood. In most cases, you start itching or feeling the bites at a later date. And the bites are usually small red dots in a group. The reason they're grouped can be from multiple bugs feeding together or from one bug who bit you repeatedly trying to find the right spot. You'll be happy to know though that bed bugs are not associated with the transmission of blood-borne diseases. You'd think they would be because they're known to carry many different kinds of pathogens and bacteria. It's currently believed that bed bugs have some kind of neutralizing agent which prevents their spread after being consumed. And fortunately for us, this has been proven to be the case time and time again, with no known reports of diseases caused directly by bed bug feeding. Some people say that they can spread Chagas disease through their feces, but again, this isn't directly from a bed bug bite. And I'm not sure how factual that information is because other scientific sources tell me it's simply a rumor. The reality is bed bugs could theoretically transmit and spread a lot of things, but they just don't. What they do spread is fear, insomnia caused by fear, and skin conditions if you're sensitive to their bites. Now let's get into the history of bed bugs because it's not like they're only now becoming a problem. The fact is bed bugs have been around for a long time, like hundreds of millions of years kind of long but they only started to feed off humans after we started sharing a living space with bats in caves around 200,000 years ago. The origin of human feeding bed bugs is believed to have started in the Middle East. And then as humans began to travel more and more, they spread through all the continents. They've actually had a variety of names over the years through all the places they've been introduced, like chinches de cama in Spanish, which means bugs of the bed, and chorus from Greece, which means bite. In North America, they have had and still have a variety of names like bed louse, wallpaper flounder, wall lice, night rider, mahogany flat, and more. There was no early Native American word for them though, because the bugs didn't show their faces until the continent got colonized by Europeans. Interestingly, in Europe, they were just referred to as bugs which seems a bit odd to me personally, but hey, like I mentioned in my bugs versus insects episode, the word bug originates from Europe. 
and is connected to something unpleasant or annoying. Nowadays, bed bugs just seem to be making headlines all over the world, especially now that travel has opened up again post-pandemic. But what's different this time is that we seem to not have any strong defenses against them. Unfortunately, these bugs have become resistant to quite a few different pesticides, and many people seem to not even know what they look like. The number of unironic bedbug posts on Reddit asking for an identification is baffling to me, especially when there seems to be so much fear around them. It's almost hard to believe there was a time when people actually had them under control. And we definitely did, at least in the United States, for a short while with the discovery of DDT. During World War II, there were many flyers and posters going around informing people about bedbugs, especially within the military. And they had become such a problem that it was quite commonplace for families to just accept the fact that they would never truly go away. DDT, however, proved to be the one thing that could keep bed bugs away indefinitely. DDT is an insecticide, which stands for dichlorodiphenyl trichloroethane, and was actually created in 1874 by a German chemist, and it became available for public use by 1950. Now, unfortunately, this chemical isn't exactly safe for people, animals, or the environment. I mean, anything you spray on a wall that causes insects to die just from touching it for years, by the way, without reapplication is 100% sus. And the chemical was banned in 1970, but not before bed bugs had become immune. So here we are in the modern age with super bugs that just don't know when to quit. Now, is there anything you can do to really save yourself or your family? The answer is yeah. There are definitely things you can do to save yourself and your home, but none of them are easy. The reality is once you have a bed bug infestation, you need to get a professional in there to clear your home, which can take a little time. Currently, the best method for removing them would be to kill them with heat. Exterminators will often do a heat treatment to your entire house or apartment along with other methods like special insecticides. But again, many insecticides these days aren't very effective due to built-up resistance from overuse, which is why sometimes exterminators will also use a cold treatment by using frozen carbon dioxide. Heat treatments are by far the best option though, because bed bugs can tolerate cold better than heat, especially when the bugs are deep in crevices. It's a misconception that bed bugs live purely in and around your bed because they can be found pretty much anywhere that offers suitable living conditions, which even include the insides of electrical outlets and the cracks and joints of drawers on dressers. They could even be in the floorboards or your curtains, which is why getting someone to roast your home is in fact the best method. Now there are DIY methods like steam guns and diatomaceous earth, but these are more or less spot treatments, which work great if your problem is on the minor side. But my thought would be, how do you know if it's really minor or not? I guess that's something only time can tell. Now let's talk about what you can do to protect yourself from ever bringing them into your home in the first place. For starters, if you live in a multi-home complex, you'll want to make sure that you don't have space between the floor and the door leading outside your living quarters. It's a good idea in general to fill any cracks you have in baseboards or on your bed frame, along with floorboards, etc. Another thing to do is keep your clothing and sheets in plastic bags when using a shared laundry space. 
If you stay at a hotel or an Airbnb, it's good to check the mattresses and area where you sleep first and then keep your suitcase elevated on a suitcase stand. I know a lot of people will also throw their laundry right in the dryer on the hottest setting when returning from a trip or from a hotel, just to make sure there are no survivors. Before we finish the episode, I do have some cool facts I want to share. For starters, they only feed on live host. They have no interest at all in spilt blood or something that has expired. Another fact is that bed bugs are attracted to elevated beds but are unable to climb smooth surfaces like metal and plastic. There are actually small plastic dishes that you can place bed frames on to prevent them from crawling up. And these are called bed bug blockers. But you wouldn't need those unless your bed frame is wooden. Now, the last interesting thing I have for you is that there are actually canine units trained to sniff out bed bugs. Bed bugs have a certain smell to them, and trained dogs are able to locate buildings that have bed bugs which can really help narrow down which places need to be treated and which don't. And with that, this wraps up today's episode on bed bugs. I hope you guys learned something and that you're maybe now more prepared than you were yesterday. As always, please make sure to rate and review the show on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. And if you want to further support the show, you can find it on patreon.com forward slash insects for fun, where you can get bonus episodes, blogs, early access to episodes, and more. Links to everything will be available in the show notes. And you'll hear from me again next week.